Greetings, everyone. It is I, D.B. Spitzer. Once again, I'm having a conversation with Andrew Migliori. Andrew, I hope I got that right. I, I'm awful with last names. Anyway, Andrew still has a Kickstarter that's in the show notes that uh, you should check out. Clark Ashton Smith Adaptation. Check it out. Link in the show notes. We, this time we sit around and we, uh, he wanted to talk about gaming stuff. And Andrew's got a lot of really fun gaming stories since he gets to spend some time with a lot of, uh, cool gamer types, uh, game designers, like who we've had in the show in the past, like, uh, Adam Scott Glancy and Ken Height. So, here we go. We recorded a little bit at first, and then I accidentally hit the button or something and stopped recording, so we started over again, and the beginning's a little hurried, but we get back into the rhythm of things, and this echo's crazy. All right, let's go. Me and Andrew. I also uh, served Andrew some... Uh, black lager Schwarzbier that I made and uh, prepared some really awesome bratwurst and uh, sauerkraut that I made because I love bratwurst and sauerkraut and black lager and so does Andrew so you know I was able to bribe him into coming down to the dungeon and uh, recording a bit so here we go and remember to check the show notes and kick in some money to get a really, really cool short film based off of a Clark Ashton Smith story made. So we can all see it. Maybe you can get a cool poster, get a digital copy. There's, there's a lot of cool goals, and I highly recommend everyone kick something in if you think Clark Ashton Smith is as awesome as I do. Okay, no more false starts. Here we go right now. Hey, Andrew. <laughs> Welcome to the studio. Hey, Dano. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. So I hear you're going to tell us some uh, some stuff about some role-playing games you had a, you wanted to talk about? Yeah, basically kind of finish up the, the conversation we had after the last interview that we had over some beers. Sure. Talking about uh, kind of the influences, some of the early games and the evolution of, of gaming that led to... Lovecraft and Call of Cthulhu, etc. All paths lead to Lovecraft. And uh, I thought I would just talk about some of my, my experiences and, and, and hopefully drink some more of your delicious Schwartz beer along yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. We got, you got the last of it. I know. <laughs> but we have some Rainier. We got some Rainier in the fridge cooling down. So that's a free plug for Rainier. You owe me a case, Rainier. And that's right. Exactly. <laughs> So, um, you know, there, there's many games. I mean, I, I started in, in probably the early 70s with, because my brother playing Avalon Hill war games, mm -hmm. starting, you know, some of the early ones. But really, the, the first game that really captured my imagination in a way that these other games didn't was like D&D. &D, and I mm -hmm. think that's probably true for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And, but if I was to write a book, I would probably have the first chapter would be entitled The Problem with D&D. &D. Yeah. And you might ask, why? What, what, what is the problem with D&D, &D, Andrew? I'm so glad you asked me that question. Um, the problem that I had, and the reason why I eventually went to Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green, mm -hmm. is it's really the early days, it was a game, really, it was superheroes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you ended up being 
maxed out with, you know, these amazing weapons and things, and you'd be, you know, basically invincible. And so it was kind of fun, you know, at level two to level, say, four, where you were struggling to survive, and, and you, you know, you're barely making, you know, uh, you know the, the simplest creatures were a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so, but later on, you know, people would start getting all these crazy, crazy items. And when I was... I, well, first of all, I hated when people came aboard and says, you know, I have a paladin, I've got a pre-roll paladin who's been on a few adventures, and he's got plus 20 strength, ogre, mittens of invincibility, and he's got plate mail of, of doom that's like plus 100. You know, and after a while you go, all right, dude, just like, mm, just makes you pissed off, right? I was an angry young man, perhaps, but... Anyway, so that's kind of the problem. It's like really a game for superheroes, like this sure. over, over, yeah. overpowered. And so when I was a dungeon master, I would try to rectify this in a way that did not make me popular amongst our gaming groups, because I'd do things like, okay, well, you to go on your venture, you need to rent a boat and get across, you know, ferry across this river. And so, all right, once they got into the boat, I'm like, haha. And I'd make things happen, like the boat would capsize or whatever, a raft would, would start sinking. And then there you have that, that jerk of a paladin and his, you know, plus 100 plate mail of doom. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and he would sink to the bottom. I said, well, what are you going to do? You, gonna, yeah, you, you know, oh, I want to you, you can't make it to the surface. Not with that heavy, 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 wonderful you know, mittens of invincibility and all this stuff. He, he, so he'd end up having to shed off the stuff. It would sink to the bottom. He'd surface, and they'd end up having back to more basics. You know, sure, they, they get the, maybe some food and, their, and basic weapons. And then it's like, all right, now it's real, and let's get rid of the bullshit and talk about the story mm-hmm. because that was what was more interesting. Yeah. 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 I'm sure you have examples like that. Oh, no. no I mean, I, I, I had uh, killer DMs who would just, like, give us cool stuff and then take it away and just, I'm not sure to be dicks or what, but, yeah, no, no, I've, I've, I've always, like, been far more interested in, like, the story and the camaraderie and the adventure than, like, I've got plus 12 shoes of elven walking of water. Yeah, yeah. Man, I gotta create that magic item. <laughs> you know, it's fun. I I played a game recently. Uh, my my good friend Mars down in Sacramento. Um, he introduced me to Dungeon Crawl Classics. Oh. And you know what? It was so refreshing because it's back to the the heart of mm-hmm. what you're doing. Nice. And if you do magic at all. It's got some really nasty side effects. So you, you know, yes, you can ca- you can try to cast these powerful spells, but there's ramifications. There's effects. Like your hand turns into a, you know, a, a hoof, uh, or you know, your foot turns into a duck webbed foot. You know, whatever. Okay. The, you you have corruption. The more you do these big spells, and so there's you got to think about like, do I really want to do this? But that kind of brought balance into the game, and so I, I really kind of enjoyed that. Again, it's fixing that that problem of things being way overpowered, and of course, you know, Call of Cthulhu takes that away because you go insane, right? Yeah. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> but there's a game that people probably don't know about that was also by Chaosium. Yeah, uh, Stormbringer. Okay. Have you heard of Michael Moorcock's? Elric series? Just or? a little bit. Just a little bit earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think I told you about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
And that's, you know, Michael Moorcock, uh, interesting fellow. He's, he also helped out with the band, um, why am I blanking on this? Uh, Hawk, Hawkwind. Hawkwind. Yeah. And so he, he, he was involved in band, is involved in band. Um, and what was cool about that game is I, I, I really liked the premise of it. And maybe it's, it's better when you're a juvenile, mm-hmm. you know, reading that stuff. I don't know if it has the lasting power. Uh, one time, uh, my wife and I, Linda, uh, we, we were doing a, 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 a thing where we'd read books to each other out loud as a, you know, like we take turns. And so I'd read Lovecraft and, uh, and I'll get back to Stormbringer in just a second. Sure. But we read Lovecraft, like uh, the case of Charles X. Word, where the parents are going, I hear these strange noises in this room. Do you think we should do anything? And Linda's going, fuck yeah, I would go in there right now. Look, there's something bad going on. You're a parent. You go up there and you tell them what for. <laughs> and of course, in Lovecraft's story, like they're just very meek. And then, you know, Dr. Willett comes in, who acts like is the, the nosy doctor, who's kind of like the private investigator mm-hmm. aspect yeah. of the story. So similarly, we read the Elric Stormbringer uh, series of books out loud. And she'd go... Elric, what a freaking whiner. What a whiner. This guy just, oh, woe is me. I'm the eternal champion. So if you don't know the, the series of stories, it's, it's kind of like this multiverse where mm-hmm. Elric is doomed to help save the universe, the world, or whatever. And he'd have different incarnations of himself, and he'd meet them. And every time he'd meet them, it would just, you know, uh, freak him out. And so, but he was this whiny guy. He's like, because he was doomed to do this. And he, mm-hmm. you know, people don't like... You know, where there's choice, there's misery. Yeah. But where there's no choice, there's misery too, I guess. I don't know. Both. Does he do anything? Okay. Um, <laughs> so he had a sidekick too named Moonglum. Now, Moonglum was this optimistic fatalist. I don't know how to, how to say it. So he's sure. like, yes, we're doomed, but let's go forward and fight chaos and do things like that. So anyway, Chaosium. Mm-hmm. Decided to do a role-playing game. I think it was 1981-ish time period. Maybe 82, 81. And they re-released it in 85, I think. Hmm. Um, so my friends and I decided to play that. Because, boy, D&D, eh. You know, tired of that. Let's do something else. So yeah. we played, um, you know, Stormbringer. And the problem with Stormbringer in that universe, like the Melobananians um, were all these, like, albino. He's the, the, Elric is this albino necromancer type of character and uh, everything in that land is poisonous to anyone else like everything you look at the blades of grass you die you know everything so of course my friend who was doing the game mastering of the game he would all right so you walk into an inn and that serving melobanian food and wine what do you do all right we order wine did you did you drink it yes we drank the wine but it's melobanian wine Yes, we drank the melamanine wine. You're all dead. So that was the other extreme where, like, <laughs> oh, gosh, we didn't even survive, like, the introduction. Yeah. Um, so that was a little bit the other extreme. But uh, another little example of that was, like, uh, yeah, I'm like, I, I, can, I can read these. We're trying to stop some demon crap going on. So I, I read these runes, and I know how to enter the portal to get to where they are and I'm like oh that's easy and I do whatever I have to do I read it and I go and I go in and then I realized you know you have that aha you know shaggy and scooby moment and you go oh oh like oh I know how to read that shit but my 
my my fellow players don't. Yeah. And so they're on the other side, and then all they hear is horrible, horrible screams as I get shredded by the demon because I have no support, and you know, that's how that ended. So it's a natural progression, right? Sure. So yeah. you go from these superhero invincible things to like, oh, this is way impossible. Then you do something that's in between, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with that stuff. Very, very much so. I'm used to playing flimsy dilettantes. Yeah. Yeah. Flimsy dil- Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. That's that's the thing that I think, like, uh, the folks up at Pagan Publishing and Scott Glancy and all them uh, fixed with Delta Green, like, the whole idea, like, you have to be a dilettante to be able to fund the adventure. Otherwise, like, how are we going to buy the dynamite? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, of course, it's classic. I, I've got plenty of stories along these lines, too. We'll, we'll talk we'll talk in a second about it. But, like, um, yeah, Call of Cthulhu, I mean, I was enamored by the fact that how frail your characters were. Yeah. That sanity, like, the more you learn, it's not a good thing, you know? But it balances out very much, I think, like what Dungeon Crawl Classics does with magic. Like, there's side effects. It's bad. Yes, you can do that stuff, but you got to balance it out. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Call of Cthulhu. Like the more you learn those spells that you cast, they're not—they're not good. They're not healthy. They're bad. So it's kind of fun um, doing that kind of stuff, and that—that that brings me to another kind of story. There's, there's, there's a gross part and a not gross part. Okay. So which which do you want me to go first? You can go with both parts. I right. mean, you know, go for it. I—I I, I think I know what story you're gonna tell. Okay. All right. So, so it. I think they've re-released it recently to the Mask of Narlathotep, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when that came out, uh, I think it was, eight, gosh, I'm, a, I'm not quite sure, 85, 87 time period? I can't quite remember. I uh, say, you know, mid to late 80s. Um, when it first came out, it was amazing because, you know, we know that the, the Lovecraft Historical Society has these great props and stuff, but mm-hmm. that was like the first of that kind of stuff that had cool little props. It yeah. had like a little matchbook and things like that. So it gave, it, and little telegrams and all this stuff. So it lended this, uh, you know, the gameplay was so much more enjoyable because you had these extra items that you mm-hmm. could hand out. Um, and it was a pretty cool thing. It was multi-segments. And the first one's in New York. And, you know, you basically have to, I'm not gonna ruin the story for anyone who doesn't play, but basically you're finding this, this cult so my friends, of course, having played enough Call of Cthulhu, were, you know, you, you got to play this with a balance, right? You got to like, do they really know what everything is? Because you're super paranoid, right? They're like, I'm not, you know. All right, do you go down the basement? Um, okay, we go to the basement. Now you hear chanting on this other side of the door. Do you open the door? Hell no. What do I see? All right, well you see a bunch of clothes. It looks like they've taken all their clothes off and they're probably doing some type of naked ritual just on the other side of the door. Do you want to open the door? No. Instead, we take all the clothes and we put them up against the door and I have some kerosene with me and we pour the kerosene over all the clothes and we're going to light it on fire. Uh, Are you sure you don't want to open the door and see what's going on? No. So, of course, the next day, three city blocks burned down and they don't know anything. They haven't, you know, they haven't progressed. But that is one way, (laughs) one way to handle things, you know. As one friend said, yes, you know, dynamite and, and matches are, you know, man's best friend yeah yeah i mean you don't have to look for clues later but (laughs) i know well then it's like all right now i have to figure out like well now they don't know this and this like how how do i reintroduce that how do i get them to the bookstore how do i get them to the juju yeah yeah exactly and and so but that was kind of a fun thing but the the story that led to that that gaming event was um and this is a true story but it's very lovecraftian so 
um, is when that got released, we, we went to our, our local, I was in College Station, Texas at the time, mm -hmm. uh, going, going to college there, and um, Texas A&M University. And we'd go to Starships and Dragons. That was our gaming store cool. in the region. I mean, really, like, for hundreds of miles. Yeah. That was the only game store. So we went in there looking for the new things, uh, the new releases from Chaosium, and they had the, the, the box set for masks. And my friend and I... Mike Fitch, we walked into the store, and behind the counter, the, the game store owner was, and this is, you know, it's just so funny, because he was wearing a shirt that I hadn't seen since the 70s, so like, keep on trucking, but I think it said keep on Tolkien, or was it Tolkien, like, like <laughs> marijuana, I don't know, I can't remember now, it's kind of vague, but... It was, you know, this this kind of tan, greasy shirt. He had long hair that was kind of black and greasy, and he had these round, uh, you know, those glasses like Radar and Mash would wear mm -hmm. the round, but they were kind of thick, and so and they looked kind of greasy. It's like this. He looked like, um, did he look like Crumb? A little bit like Crumb, um, but long hair, long greasy hair, and and you know, he's just sitting behind the cash register, and so I I immediately peel to my left. And I go to the, the games that are up there for Chaosium, and I'm looking for, and I go, ooh, masks. And I'm reading, reading about it. I eventually did get it, not on that trip, but later. And there's a cat. There's a, this large calico-type cat. It was sitting, plopped in the center. It looked naturally overfed, large. And my friend went to pet it. And I got my back turned. So I have my back turned to this situation. And then I hear... The most horrific gurgling sound. And I, I, you know, it's that horrible thing where you start, like, I'm going to look over my shoulder and see what's going on. I slowly doing this, realizing, like, I probably shouldn't. But I'm turning, I'm turning around. I see, as I turn around, I see my friend is on his all fours, scrambling backwards, like in a, a crab crawl, I think is what they call it, you know, mm -hmm. crawling backwards, away from the, the, the I, well, I'll just say cat, quote, unquote, mm -hmm. cat. It had, and I don't know from how many orifices, but it had emitted a pile of worms. Oh. Yes, and they were, it was like, oh, my God. So the horror, like, this is like, you know, it's not like, Almost frozen in time. Time has slowed down, slowed down, slowed down, slowed down, um, and turning over. And finally, behind the counter comes the game store owner, and he goes to the cat, and he crouches down to the cat, and he starts pointing at the pile of worms. And he turns, and he looks at us, and he goes, eh, they're still moving. Well, sir, let me tell you that with that, I was like, fuck, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And like grabbing Mike, my friend, and we're like, oh my God, let's get out of here. Oh my God, this is ah. And so we run out of the store. We get in his car and we're trying to start the car up. And then we both pause. It's like, it was so cinematic, you know, like we both pause and we look at each other and then we screamed. And you know why, though, right? Why? Because. He had pet the cat, <laughs> right? So the only proper thing to do in this situation, being situationally aware is like, well, 
either we chop his hands off or we kill him, right, and burn, burn, because we don't want this to the contagion to mm-hmm. spread. Mm-hmm. That's the only logical <laughs> conclusion, right? Right? That's what you would have come to, right? Sure, yeah. sure. I bet if you asked Scott, he'd, he'd say the same thing. So, yeah, that was, uh, so, you know, masks always has this kind of love-hate relationship. It's like, it, it's like my friends were too paranoid, except my friend who was the anarchist, okay? Yeah. He goes, you know, I go, you hear screaming behind the door. Um, okay, I go, um, what are you going to do? You, you, you going to do something? I'm thinking about it. Um, why don't you... Kick the door down. Well, that would break the law. I go, you're an anarchist, right? Okay. It's, it was hilarious, I know. So, anyway, like, no one, you know, the problem with playing too much Call of Cthulhu is no one wants to face, like, we're terrified, yeah. and you kind of, so you have that problem, you know, with, with that kind of gaming. I'm sure you've had those moments, right? Those cinematic, oh, yeah. Cinematic gaming moments. And, uh, and another one with Call of Cthulhu, I remember, um, we had a scenario, and we had like, we had like one of those open top uh, cars uh, with a rumble seat, and we had just thwarted the this cult from doing whatever they were doing, mm-hmm. and we're running away, and we get in the car, and we're driving away, and we're winning, but the cultists are shooting after us, right? They're, you know, poo, poo, poo. and my friend. Again, Mike Fitch. Uh, I did not kill him. Okay, okay, I was curious. I know I, it was the right thing to do, yeah. but I I, I I took the risk and we, we did sanitize his hands. And they were raw from the scrubbing, but you know whatever. But uh, so he's in the back of the rumble seat. We're driving away, and and he his character is going, "We made it! We made it! We made it!" And my friend, as the uh, you know a GM, rolls the dice and he shakes his head. You know, and the next thing we know is Mike's character is face down into the into the car seat, and it just reminded me so much of like Dirty Dozen, that very end of the scene where the three of them are in their half track, and they're mm-hmm. and he goes, "We made it, we made it," and that's it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But those are the those are the kind of cinematic gaming moments that you really, really you know love. Um, uh, you know, playing a lot of games with over the years with, with Scott Glancy, mm-hmm. they're all cinematic. They're, those are some of the funnest games. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. I just like listening to that guy talk about grocery shopping. <laughs> He's just very, yeah. you know. Yeah, I went to the store. <laughs> it's so true. Um, yeah, so you know, that's kind of like a quick. Synopsis going from D and D morphing it a bit to, uh, you know, the, the Elric the multiverse series uh, didn't quite work. And then really digging into Call of Cthulhu mm-hmm. um, and and doing that whole sanity thing was fantastic and refreshing. And then fixing, excuse me, fixing Call of Cthulhu, the Delta Green uh, fixes the problems of like, you know origin why are you doing it money it's like yeah. no you're in the know you already know everything you, yeah. you, you don't know everything but you know it. you're in an organization and it, you're fighting the menace yeah. and you're funded you have cash of weapons so a lot of the you know, it gets back to the story which i think is overall if you look at the whole thing is that's what's important yeah and I, I, honestly i remember playing uh call of cthulhu now and it just felt weird it's like cops aren't gonna let us go in there and look at stuff i was like 
I don't know, like 16, and I was like, cops aren't going to let us go in there, guys. we got to break it afterwards. Yeah. Ended up getting in way more trouble. It's like, oh, man, too bad I couldn't be part of some, like, government agency. But that just felt kind of, like, hokey, and it's like, oh, man, that'd feel like X-Files Monster of the Week stuff. It's like, yeah. how do you do this without it being dumb? <laughs> Thanks, Arc Dream and yeah. Kagan Publishing. And... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that makes, you know... And, and that, that bleakness, too, is like the, you know, yeah. it's like, you can, it's like you're not going to, it's a temporary victory. It's always like a temporary victory. Uh, but, you know, the best thing is like running, like Scott Glancy one time, I'm not going to give away the whole story, sure. but like just the setup is like, he made us all like uh, six, what was, I don't know how old we were, 17 to 21 year old uh, soldiers, in, you know, in the Middle East, which was great because we're stupid. Like, yeah. we don't, you're not you're not skilled you're like this you know dumbass mm -hmm. with a gun yeah and now you're being exposed to that that's the kind of stuff that that's refreshing and cool because again it goes back to the story mm -hmm. it removes the superpower stuff yeah. right and you have to focus on things um yeah no it's that's all like really fun stuff it's good did you ever play call of cthulhu d20 did I ever? I, I probably did, but it's like, you know, I think it's been expunged. It just struck me as so weird as being able to play like a level 15 dilettante. It's like, yeah. what? You and the <laughs> you dilettante. Be uh, have, have you, uh, I was going to say, have you seen this place? And I'm like, oh, actually, it doesn't look that great right now. <laughs> it's like I have art stuff all over the place. I am a dilettante. You I are. even know how to fire a shotgun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're down in this, you know, private restaurant basement with. Everything. So. Oh, yeah. That's very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's the studio. And, hey, if, if you want to be a part of this, come on down and contact me, and we can do something, and I'll feed you and give you beer. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, yeah. So um, let's let's get back to role-playing games here. Sure. So where were we at? Where, uh... we, we were just going to go to the arcs of the things that led to Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, something that did not lead... As a matter of fact, it was a dead end for uh -huh. me. Was like uh, Traveler. I know yeah. a lot of people really, really liked it, but it's just not the setting that I was really mm -hmm, into. Mm -hmm. And like, of, of course, like you know, you don't have the mad computer skills to be able to cr crack the codes to get onto the, the spaceship or whatever the, yeah. the, the thing. So not uh, not as fun. I, I, I played some other role playing game where it was a post apocalyptic world. It was set in Portland too. Huh. And that was kind of kind of cool. It was like radiation, and you have to yeah. worry about crawling through t sewers and stuff, cool. and, and having to know like the residential sewers. You know, they get smaller and smaller as you get away from the main trunks and mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of fun. Nice. Uh, but it, you know, it, it's it's that was too real. You know, you want to have a little distance. Yeah. I like a little distance. Like, yeah. Clearly, you know, the end times are not upon us. Uh, yes, they are. And you know, <laughs> we don't have to worry about. Horrible, you know, Lovecraftian nasties. Oh yes, we do. And you know that that's that's all I gotta say. You know, the uh, you know those are the I think the the primary primary games. I, I'm a big war gamer. Yeah. So uh, you know, and that started even before all the role playing stuff with with Avalon Hill. And my brother had um, Storm Over Arnhem, which I really really I still play to this day hmm. just because fond memories and stuff. Although it's if you're the British, it's just about attrition. But a game that almost made me stop uh, was this game from Avalon Hill called um, 
Outdoor Survival. I was going to say Wilderness Survival. Yes. Is that the name of it? Was it Outdoor I, Survival? I don't know. I just remember survival. that like um, my gaming store had like a stack of them. Yes. And they were, it was like five bucks and my buddy Greg Bass and I, we both bought one. We're like, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. That's the thing that like, like. We found more use out of the cardboard little squares yep. and stuff. We we, we repurposed, them, yep. repurposed everything for D&D or Call of Cthulhu or Shadowrun or whatever over the years. But yeah, that... You oof. know, it's funny. I think we probably got it for the same reason. It was yeah. probably like super discounted. Uh, this was somewhere in the mid seventies. I can't remember. Maybe maybe seventy six, seventy seven time frame. Uh, the, and and I have copies laying around ten years later. This is all. Oh, it was. <laughs> it's a. It's a. It's a dreadful game. Um, it just made me go. I never want to play a, you know, a hex map game or yeah. with counters again. Never want to do it. But I did. Obviously, I overcame it because sure. shortly after that. Um, I went to see was it seventy eight um, the you know the Lord of the Rings animated mm-hmm. film oh yeah yeah you know and I had to get my dad to drive me out like in Dallas there was only one little theater that was playing it and it was you know it's kind of sketchy in a faraway place yeah it was not well distributed so um, but on the way back there was a game store nearby nice and uh, I happened to drop in there and it was like oh all right the you know was the uh, I think they've redone it. The Five Armies, you know, the yeah. Battle of the Five Armies or something like that. And uh, that was cool for me. It was like, oh, great. And I can replay that. And I had, all, you know, the dwarves and the elves and the, and the orcs and everything. And um, some of the wolves, you know, and do all that kind of thing. That was fun. Nice. Yeah. What's your favorite game? My favorite game? Um, geez. Geez. I haven't played Geez. Geez is a pretty good game. No. Uh, I... I love like second edition D and D. There's like, uh, like second edition D and D Planescape, and I used to just like, you know, it's like interdimensional traveling around, and I used to run it with like, just giving people nothing. It's like, you're moving around, you'll find stuff. It's, 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 it's not about, it's not about how powerful you are. It's about what you do mm-hmm. <laughs> and how powerful you become, and. I, I used to love that, and I, I've got such a soft spot in my heart for uh, Call of Cthulhu that, yeah, yeah, Call of Cthulhu is probably my favorite RPG, or just the BRP system, just like the basic BRP system, mm-hmm. and using that for like, uh, I'm going to do some post-apocalyptic role-playing game, I'm going to do some zombie stuff. I just really liked how like uh, the BRP system was just like really kind of universal, like a Swiss army knife of role-playing games. Mm-hmm. And there was other systems out there like GURPS and stuff, but oh, I'll be yeah, honest, GURPS, I never had yeah. fun playing GURPS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't play well, it enough, it's and I didn't know the rules, <laughs> and it's like, I don't get it. <laughs> it was supposed to be the universal, you know, one game system to rule them all. Yeah, but they had so many source books, and be like, oh, hey, yeah, we play monsters, and we can do all this monstery stuff, and we... I'm like, so we're playing Nightbreed, the RPG. Let's just watch Nightbreed. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's again, another reason why I like uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh-huh. I mean, their philosophy is, here, here's the book. It's got everything. Yeah. You can play the game. You don't have to buy a separate book for clerics yeah. and a separate book for this and a separate book for monsters. It's, mm-hmm. no, here you go. There, there it is. So that's kind of refreshing, and very, you know, like one big thick book and, yeah. and not that expensive. So uh, give, it a, give it a try for those people who want to play 
a D and D like thing that yeah. is back to basics, back that to the good. good. Back when it was fun. Yeah, no, no. I remember there was a period of time when it's like all my friends started being like, "Well, we're just gonna take any money we get, and it's all going into D and D books." It's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> Do you need these this encyclopedia set about magic spells? You don't play mages. You don't need the bards books. You don't need this. This isn't Pokemon. You don't have to catch them all. Pokemon didn't exist at that time, but. Right. Oh man, drove me crazy. It was like, oh, the the best nerd's the one who's got the biggest stack of books. <laughs> That's right. That's true. I uh, know it's true. I'm not a good nerd in that way. Uh, I know. <laughs> I'm very disappointed in you, Dano. I'm telling you, it's not a good thing. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it's 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 kind of fun looking back at the at the arc and how things led. You know, from again going back into doing games like Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and still do those, still have oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, gaming with Scott again at the Lovecraft Film Festival. Yeah, I'm yeah. Looking forward to that's coming up soon. That's like Very in soon. October. Yeah, I've I've got beer brewing for it soon. I'm gonna make up another black. Uh, another uh, batch of the uh, Schwarz beer. Uh, uh, wunderbar. That's, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's very good. Oh yeah. Yeah, except, you know, we're, you're we're, out. We're out. I, <laughs> so I'm you know, probably going to do that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so I, I am. I feel a little cheated here, just a little bit. <laughs> what other people don't know as well as his other, uh, it was a pale ale that you made? Uh, it was just, a, uh, just kind of a, just ale, just like a classic ale. Yeah, he, he, there's no CO2, so there's yeah. no way to deliver the nectar. And so, <laughs> yes. Unless we want to, like, scoop it out with our hands and drink it flat. But. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of a you know, time where we had to scoop out the brains and, and drink it flat. Okay. <laughs> so, that's it. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I, again, recommend Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh, I, I almost, you know, part of me wants to pull out the uh, Stormbringer again just mm-hmm. to see, but I think that those times have passed. I think it's just, it's too late for that. Yeah, there was a... Um, and I was going to say, like, I don't know if you, it's kind of funny, I don't know why I have a soft spot for this, but like Arkham Horror, the card game, mm-hmm. um, it, it does a pretty good job of, uh, you know, it, it's kind of got safety rails on playing the game, Sure. but it allows to develop a story that's um, interesting. You can play, you know, uh, solo, which is another reason huh. I play that. And I did a a Lovecraft Film Festival scenario last year for as an expansion for that game. Oh, cool! And I I, I do have a soft spot for that um, compared to a lot of the other Fantasy Flight games. Um, I haven't really tried. What edition are they on? Like for uh, Arkham Horror, the, the the board game? Oh, second, third. No, it's like, like third, that. right? Because it's easily. Th- I mean, yeah. I had the first edition. Oh yeah. I, I did, dude, that was the fun. That was the bomb. When that that game came out, we played the hell out of it. Yeah. And we started expanding the rules uh, and, and to do our own things. Like if you're in the another dimension, dimension, what you can do. But that was that was a fun. You know, not overly complicated game. And then I felt like they kept adding, you know, Fantasy Flight, that's what they classically do is they add more chrome, mm-hmm, more mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. more chrome until it looks like, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, a Cylon, you know, with so much chrome walking at you. But um, the I heard the third edition, I guess it's third edition, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but they, uh, that it's it's improved some of the stuff. And, nice. But it's got a, it's app assisted too, I believe. And okay. So, okay. It, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of torn. It's kind of nice and not nice having yeah. like these app edition games. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I'm kind of torn between them. Some of it, it's like from Mansions of Madness. I don't know if you ever played Mansions of Madness. Yes. Yeah. So Mansions of Madness with the app mm-hmm. and getting rid of the, you know, GM basically and having that be just run by the thing, uh-huh. uh, I think is an improvement. Okay. It was fun. It was like really good at like getting back to the, trying to do the story. And um, it's very, it's great because it's got uh, an external system that people write stories for, Valkyrie. Oh, cool. It's like a free software app that you can download that has basically all these, um, you know, additional stories that work in the, in the, in that Mansions of Madness universe. But these are all like, for those who don't have time to have an actual GM who crafts a story that can lead you through the story, because it's all about the story. Yeah. Um, it's a good substitute. Nice. Nice. And what, what's that called? Ma- the Mansions of Madness. Mansions of Madness. The second that, edition. Okay, the second edition. Yeah, because the first edition had the Game Master, yeah. where you had a, one person who's dead, trying to... But it was a lot of yeah. bookkeeping and stuff that wasn't fun, so like the, the, the app keeps track of it, which makes, makes it more you know, focused on, on the fun. fun. You know, it's not perfect. Yeah. It's, it's not a... It's not a the, you know, the story's shallower in, in some ways, but it depends. And I, I definitely, for those people out there listening who do play that, check out Valkyrie, which is the uh, standalone app that allows you to plug into a whole universe of other stories. That's so cool. That scenarios. is so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, simplistic games that I've played recently is I bought my girlfriend's son. The... That's called slavery. You shouldn't buy <laughs> Really? Dano, that, that's just wrong. <laughs> I bought my girlfriend's son uh, the uh, Dungeons, like the Dungeons & Dragons uh, board game. He's eight, or he just turned eight, and I was like, it's like, ah, maybe I'll get him into this nerd stuff. I mean, get him away from that Power Rangers garbage. <laughs> Is it working? Oh, yeah, no, no, no. He's, he's like, oh, good. Hey, uh, can I get a flaming sword? Can, can I look through the deck so I get the flaming sword? No, you can't look through the deck so you get the flaming sword. Now I have to go through and like shuffle up the deck, just make sure that he doesn't stack it. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know it's kind of funny is how, what the resurgence. You know, I guess everything comes around every yeah. twenty years or something, but um, the resurgence of D and D is amazing, especially in Hollywood. Yeah, like everyone has their game groups now, yeah. and it's like. You guys aren't nerds. What, what, what? You know, now it's like it's the cool thing to do. All the cool kids are doing it. I don't know I've, and, if you've ever checked out Brian Posehn's Nerd Poker or Dan Harmon's Harmontown. Those are not the cool kids playing D and D. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Harmon. Have you seen the television show Harmon's Quest? Oh, I saw the first. Uh, I saw the first season of it, but I haven't had uh, whatever subscription service you need yeah. to get it, and I haven't felt like stealing it yet. So yeah. it, it's okay. It, it's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. And that's you know Harmon kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was fun. It was fun. I, I, I've uh, been listening to old episodes of Harmontown so I can listen to, like, the stuff that they did before that and mm-hmm. with characters like Sharpie Butts a lot. Yes. yes. <laughs> dumb stuff like that. You know, all of his shows are very much, you know, therapy in public. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and you are talking about Elric earlier, and I was like, that just something about that, the multiverse character who has, like, the optimistic uh, Sounds kind of like Rick and Morty. I've heard Dan Harmon talk about uh, those. I think I know where he got that. But no. Um. <laughs> oh no! Actually, I, I think I think uh, uh, Rick is 
way cooler in some ways than Elric is. Uh, see, I'm gonna, that's a, them are fighting words. I yeah, know. Hey, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I couldn't uh, say. Uh, Smackdown. Here we go. I, I'm gonna I don't know. It, but, it just seems like a cartoon version of Jim from Taxi to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except he'd have to have, be an albino. But, you know. Uh, oh, I guess I see what you're saying. The other one, yes. Yeah, so it's Rick. I get it. But, uh, which is a great show, by the way. I, oh, I yeah. highly recommend it. I love Taxi. Yep. Damn. <laughs> Sorry. I like all the shows. <laughs> I like all the shows, yes. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no. And so, that, you know, that reminds me very little of the time. Uh, I have one more story, gaming, oh, sure. gaming thing, yeah. which was, um, is I had this, I'll say friend, quote unquote. He was one of the, you know, part of our gaming group, but he. He cheated uh-huh. a lot, so we we always called him out. We'd always like, but he he did on purpose. He he had this need to win. He had this like psychological problem mm-hmm. where he needed to win. And yes, I I'm ashamed to admit it that I did play Risk at times, but okay. like it's like okay, fine, we'll play Risk. Not my first choice yeah. at all because it's super simplistic and. So anyway, he I knew what he wanted to do. He wanted he he his goal was to take over every territory on the map. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. It was his goal. Yeah. He was going to do it. So, he started like w- you know winning and doing it and I and I'm like I'm done. I'm going I'm conceding. And he goes, "No, no, no. No, you got to keep playing." I go, "Well, the only way we're going to keep playing and he didn't know about Lovecraft and Cthulhu this time is that, that I play um you know I, I, I have New England right now. I have North America. Um, you know, we're playing Cthulhu rules, Lovecraft rules. And, uh, you know, uh, you got to agree that we're going to play this. Oh, well, well, fine, whatever, whatever. He didn't know what they were. So uh-huh, fine, uh-huh. we're all right. I said, okay, you agreed to him. Great. So as he played, it's finally he comes to, like, Massachusetts, takes over. And, you know, and he's, like, a few territories away from conquering everything. You know, there's, it's inevitable. But, like, part of the rules was, like, all right, when you attack my territories, you can only put one army against my army. Like, so, so I was trying to make it equal, equal odds. And so he mm-hmm. was losing. He was getting pissed off because he was <laughs> not winning all the time. Um, but finally, you know, it was just a matter of attrition, right? So it was down to the last couple of territories, Massachusetts being one of them. So he invades that territory. And I said, okay. Cthulhu rules, and I, I, I flipped the board. <laughs> Cthulhu rules! Yes, exactly, because defying him, the satisfaction of getting every last territory was totally, totally worth it. And oh, with that, man. I think I will bid you adieu. Oh, thank you so much, Andrew, for coming in and talking to us about role-playing games and Lovecraftiana in general. If you get the chance, is there anything you want to plug right now? All right. Uh, I think I got like 24 hours left on the last incantation. Kickstarter, last incantation. It is um, a, a uh, I said HP Lover. It's a Clark Ashton Smith short story adaptation, and it's the third ever done. So cool. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, I'm I'm super excited. Yeah, I I figured get you on the show at least one more time before the Kickstarter's over and. And there we did it. And Yeah, hey, there we go. High five. All right. All right. And that wasn't just the fake audio high five when someone claps their own hands. No, no. Yeah. We didn't do fully work. We actually high fived. Does he do anything? <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah, the, the French. French. <laughs>